Welcome to the Beauty, Brains, and Barbells podcast, the show that talks all things female resistance training to help women feel beautiful, confident, and strong in and out of the gym. Now for your hosts, Jordan and Gretchen. Welcome back to the Beauty, Brains, and Barbells podcast. Today, we are speaking directly to all of our female listeners out there, which is probably the majority of you, on a topic that's pretty important both for the both of us as well as for everyone listening to this. We're going to cover women's mental health today. We're going to talk about the differences between male and female and kind of give you an overview. Yeah, we also want to dive into some of the impacts from COVID as well as some of the healthcare changes that have kind of run about from that and how do we how do we make these changes to prioritize our mental health a little bit better? Yeah, I think definitely the last couple of years, it's been made a lot more aware how your mental health can impact your day-to-day and your family and life all around. So this is an important one. Yeah. So let's dive into some of the differences in males versus females, because I think everybody uses a heart attack as an example of how one disease can presents so differently between males and females. Mental health is no different. There's very, very big differences between males and females. I think the biggest one is that males have a two times as high fatality rate for whatever reason, there's really no, they don't have an answer for why, but it's just men are more likely to take their lives or die as a result of issues with mental health than females. Yeah, that's a, that's a really scary statistic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very scary. Um, I remember learning that when I was in school, in one of my classes, we were talking about it and like, you look at all of the men who are in your, in your class with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I mean, again, we, we kind of dove into some of the reasons why when we were in class, cause it was a, a discussion type of set discussion type of class. But it's, you know, there really is no right answer. It's, you know, some people would say it's, you know, fear of maybe, you know, when it comes to suicide, fear of the weapons of choice in that, in that area. It would also be, you know, the, the behavioral tendencies of females are more likely to feel a bigger connectedness, maybe to their family, to their friends and feeling fear for disappointment. Yeah. where males may be more of a solo individual and may not, may not feel that as much or as deeply. So did yeah. anything come up about maybe this is, I don't know very much, but did anything come up about um, how men have a tendency to like not share their feelings out loud with other people and women have a much higher tendency to talk about things and not. Yeah. Keep, right. Yeah. That, that definitely came up. I think that, you know, the other thing that was like, discussed with that is men may not share their feelings, but women really suppress their feelings. They may share like the surface level information, but they don't give you, you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. So that was one I remember being like, you know, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Like if I try to get my husband to communicate his feelings, that's like pulling teeth. But I also look at myself and know that when I'm saying you know, I'm, I'm annoyed or I'm upset. Like there I'm, I'm literally giving the very bare minimum to that as well. So it could be, but it could also be, I don't know. It, it, it could not be that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, other differences in males versus females is 
Women show greater impacts financially, physically, and mentally. It says three times that of men when it comes to issues related to mental health. So when you're down and out, when it comes to your mental health, when you're feeling like you really struggle, you're going to see that financially, physically, and mentally. And then those things are also going to create more mental health issues as well. You're going to feel more stress. You're going to feel it deeper. You're going to find yourself not being able to let that go as much, not worry about that as much, um, which can create this feeling of being lost, isolated, scared, which really increases your, your risk for anxiety and depression. Yeah. I know this one, like I completely understand. And, um, I know like I have some anxiety problems and when I feel anxious, it's, it could, I could be anxious about one thing. One thing could be getting me down, but then all of a sudden I think of everything in the world, like, um, you know, where are we financially? Where are we with this? And then everything starts kind of piling in and definitely I can see an impact in like my fit. How do I really want to go to the gym? Do I really want to eat right? Everything kind of shuts down. Um, and everything does get affected. It's not like, you know, I'm sad about this one thing. So we just kind of isolate that. It, everything comes into effect. Yeah. I I would completely agree with that. I think we intertwine them maybe a bit better. And this is speaking for the both of us. Um, you know, maybe not every female is like this, but when you are feeling stressed financially, you tie that into physically. When you are mentally down, it comes into your physicality. Physically, you're injured, right? Like, if you get injured, you think about the medical bills that come from that. And then you think about the inability to exercise your body, move your body and what that does mentally. It's not to say that there's no man, no male out there that doesn't think that as well. Women are just more likely to tie that all together and put the big bow on it and say, Hey, here's this big thing of anxiety and depression. Find a way to work through this. Right. It's yeah, that's a huge one. Um, it also says one out of four suffer from mental health issues, which yeah. is, I mean, that's 25%. Yeah. We have a graphic here that was sent to us by one of our listeners that said, um, it says women, it's talking about how women are experiencing higher levels of depression, anxiety, and stress than men in response to COVID-19. Now we're getting into the specifics of COVID-19, which in, in my job, I have seen more issues related to mental health. Um, it's this yeah. statistic says 35% of females have moderate to severe levels of depression compared to 19% of males. I mean, that's nearly double that of male counterparts. Yeah. I know personally in like our household when, and we haven't really talked about COVID. I think it got a lot of people talked about it and we yeah. wanted to be super fun and lighthearted, but this is a huge part of like mental health. So that's kind of why it's coming up, but I know in our household, like when it hit, um, and like shutdown started happening and life started changing for me, my anxiety gets really heightened when things change and they're not in my routine and I can't control it. And this was definitely one thing that nobody could control. Um, and it came out a lot more than my husband, where my husband was able to take a step back and look at it pragmatically and be like, look, we have business we are an essential business. So we did stay open. So really our day-to-day didn't change, but I still took it on like, well, the world is changing. Yeah. How do yeah. I fix that? And then all that anxiety started coming in. 
Yeah. I think, you know, we look at this next statistic of 27% of females have moderate to severe levels of stress compared to 10% of males. That's almost three times, almost three times as much. And I think when it comes to our kind of our innate behavior of we feel this need to provide for family, friends, we like that routine and that structure of things. That's where that stress comes in of, I would say you look at a lot of the careers as well. I mean, right. Some of the biggest industries that took hits was the the medical field and you have a lot of female nurses. You have a lot of women in healthcare, a lot of female teachers, another big industry that was hit by this. There were a lot of women that were impacted by COVID and many, many, many men as well. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, you look at the lines of work that were kind of taking the direct hit for a lot of this. And there are a lot of female dominated industries, those caretaker type of industries where they're concerned about caring for their loved ones in their life, like their own personal loved ones, as well as their patients, their students, their coworkers, everyone else around them. Even their kids, when kids, you know, had to be homeschooled and we're not saying that dads and men didn't help out with that, but I mean, a lot of moms were taking on the homeschooling and Mm -hmm. making sure their kids were taken care of and everybody was at home with them and they took on that huge role. Yeah. Um, Another big statistic we have is that 37% of women aged 18 to 24 report suicidal thoughts compared to 17% of men. This one, I think um, I really wanted to bring this one up because we work with a lot of middle school, high school females. And I, I mean, we opened our business six months prior to opening COVID or before COVID started, but um, my, I mean, I've been a coach for God knows how many years. Brian's worked with athletes for how many years? We've never received so many emails kind of filling us in on where their child is at mental health wise. And just saying, you know, like the impact that your program has bought, has brought to our, our child has, you know, my, my daughter has, my daughter, my son has thought of, has had suicidal ideations and things like that. And that's, I mean, it's scary. It's scary to think that this kid that we work with on a day-to-day basis could make one decision to change their entire life. And it's, it's cool. Like we love those types of emails. We love to see kids jump higher, run faster, lift heavier weights. But when we get those emails, those are really impactful to us because we know this type of statistic that there are a lot more females out there feeling this type of stress that leads them to feeling like the only solution out is to take their own life. And, you know, we can be a part of that solution, which is great. And that's, that's awesome that you get those emails from parents. And it really goes to show you that working out, going to the gym, moving your body, isn't just for your physical health. It really is a mental health aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so now we kind of move into some of these, you know, why is this happening, right? The trends that have come out of COVID. I think the biggest one is that labor has increased for women in the front line. So that changed the work environment quite a bit. I, I work with a number of teachers and nurses. So I've been watching how their mental health has taken a toll during this time. Um, I mean, you, in this time of, we really didn't know what was happening with COVID. We just hear of how huge this disease is, how many lives it's taking. It was like, 
these people are going to their job every single day, wondering if they're going to be next. Like they don't have a choice. It's just their job. Right. Um, they had to do a lot more at work. My nurses, the things that they tell me they have to do in order to just get ready for a normal shift is crazy. My teachers who, I mean, we, you already talked about the, the distance learning and all the parents had to do, but the teachers who had to pack students bags, sit out there, hand, you know, let parents drive up, pick up bags, the lesson plannings, the meetings, the individual meetings, I mean, all that these teachers have had to do is, is a lot. I mean, you think of like a typical school day and now you just added a whole nother dimension to it. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about like, there's a lot of female nurses out there. It's a dominated female industry. Um, They were at the height of it. I mean, they were losing patients many a day and that takes a huge toll on you. I know like when I was on the fire department and we would lose people, it wasn't very often, thank goodness, but it took a hit on you mentally because you lost that person and your job is to save them. And a lot of times we would have, you know, like a critical incident debrief on it, make sure our mental health is correct. And that's what you should do. But when you are losing so many patients daily, you don't get to do that. You kind of got to suck it up and keep going and help the next person. And that I mean, coming home day to day going, I lost this many people is rough. Right. And I even think of the the people who, you know, if they're, they're working in hospitals, they're working in um, schools or some of these high transmission areas. Like I remember hearing stories of people who wouldn't, they would live in a separate room from the rest of their family. Yeah. And that already you, you know, what do you want to do after a long, hard day? You want to go home and be with your family. Yeah. You want to hug your kids and give your husband a hug. Yeah. And now you just had this really hard day. Hey, let me go home and sit by myself and think about all of this and then go back and do it again tomorrow. And actively separate myself from my family. Yeah. Yeah. I think to piggyback right off of that, we kind of dove into it already, but the family stress, Mm -hmm. um, the opening and closing of schools still, I, I mean, Right now we're at the point where everything is based on numbers. You know, how many kids have it in the school? I know some, I've had teachers who it's like, oh, we're in school, we're out. We're in school, we're out. I've had parents. I'm in, I'm out. My kid was next to this kid who tested positive. They're in, they're out. And it's, you know, this article that we've read says many mothers have had disproportionately more stress and responsibilities, including homeschooling children, all while managing their own psychological responsibilities to in, in response to COVID as well. It, I mean, it's a lot like you, I know that a lot of my clients joke that like once their kids goes to go, kid goes to school, it's daycare, right? Like mm-hmm. it's time for somebody else to watch your kid for a day. Yep. Which they're not wrong. I don't think of it as daycare, but it, you know, now you go to all day, you are mom, you are teacher, you are, you know, gym teacher, you're, you're everything. You're everything. In no break. No. Yeah, I um I can empathize with them. I do not have a child that had to worry about that. But like I said, mine is I like routine and when things get thrown off all of a sudden, that's when my anxiety gets heightened and I go into panic mode a little bit. And when they were in and out of school, oh, school's back on. Oh, now it's not because there's I mean that really throws your routine off. You they never had the ability to have 
an actual routine really in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that family stress that all leads into kind of this last trend that we, we have note on is the increase in domestic violence and Mm -hmm. domestic violence and violence against women have increased since quarantine too. That's something that I think when I first started to hear this, I was like, what, like, how, like, how does that happen? But yeah. When you think of the change in the routine, when you think of all of the stress that's being placed on these family units, these people living in homes together, it really isn't a surprise. It sounds, you know, if you're in a relationship where things are, things could get violent or they get heated, your work, your, your day away is kind of your break from that individual, right? It's kind of a buffer and it leaves you away from them kind of in a safer place. Now everyone's home right? and tensions are high. There's no outlet. It's, it's kind of not surprising that domestic violence has increased. And I'm sure people were scared to, I mean, people who are in domestic violence situations are already scared to reach out. Right. Yeah. But now you're in this situation where you're scared to reach out because there's this pandemic going around and you don't want people to come into your house and see what's going on, or you don't want to expose anybody or whatever it is. You feel a lot more isolated because you are isolated. Yeah. I mean, cause it's the thought of like, where do I go? What do I do? Yeah. We're stuck in this house together. It's not like I could go stay with a friend for another couple of days. Right. You don't want to burden them. You don't want to put them at risk for disease. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this article states that shelters, hotlines, and other resources for women experiencing violence had reported a dramatic increase in the number of reporting since the start of COVID-19. I've read that in many other articles as well. I know, I mean, shelters for some time were very, very booked out. They were full, they were packed, mm-hmm. and they're doing the best they can to help provide a safe space for these people, but they have limits as well, especially, you know, they're in this pandemic where we're trying to socially distance and live in a respectful way to other people. And it's like, we just like, they just didn't have the space for people. Yeah. That, that was a huge surprising one when all of this started that domestic violence came out and it's just something that you don't think about until it's thrown in your face like that. Yeah. I think it's no surprise that the, you know, anxiety, depression, I think everyone's going to have PTSD coming out of COVID-19. I think in some way, shape or form, and I don't mean it in the severe type of way, but like it it leaves a scar, it leaves an imprint on you. And that is in some way, shape or form PTSD. You are always reminded of what this did. I look at like my grandparents, I mean, anyone of my grandparents' generation, they hoarded everything because they lived through the era of the great depression where you held on tightly to everything that you had because you didn't want to lose it. You wanted to make sure that you had enough. And I think that that's our era is going to live a little bit further distanced from everyone else, a little bit more. We're definitely afraid of a sniffle cough or a sneeze these days. Yeah. And we're all going to have a little bit of PTSD issues because of this. Yeah. Some more severe than others. Um. So in this article, it talks about like resulting healthcare, um, less than 20% of people who need mental health care have access 
to the services that they need. Yeah, I, and this I think is re- related specifically to telehealth. Um, I can personally say it. I I've had some really difficult experiences with telehealth, and I'm, and that's not in a mental health type of way. That's in a like from the care that I needed from my providers. It was really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there were certain things that like I don't feel it's it's right to see me through a video. Right. right. Like I, I saw my neurologist and we did neurological testing through a computer screen that has delays and it's, it's, it's hard. Um, and the appointments are very limited and, and I get it because we don't, these providers are trying to manage larger situations, right? It's not to diminish the needs of the people who need them, but right. I look at it like everyone had to adjust to this new way. It takes time. You don't move into a new house and know where everything is right away. Right. These, like legally, they had to figure out some things of how to do telehealth, make sure that their systems aren't being hacked while they're while they're doing appointments, virtual appointments with people. They have to figure out how to set it up, give themselves buffer time in between. It's a, there's a lot that goes into it. And it's sad that so many people I think have turned because of this and said, ma'am, well, I'm just not going to go to the doctor. Oh, I'm not going to do anything because yeah. that's not the solution either. Yeah. And you know, for people that needed to go to the doctor, I mean, there were so many facilities that were closing in-person services. Um, and it's, it was becoming increasingly difficult for individuals to establish care, like for the first time with a provider, yeah. let's say you needed to go see a doctor and it's somebody that you have never seen before. I mean, that's, you know, that's really hard to establish that yeah, personal connection. Right. I know that I went and saw a new therapist while we were in COVID mm-hmm. and it was really, that was one of my biggest issues is it was really hard to establish that connection. Like, and this is not a knock on her. It's her, it's her personality, right? You have those people who speak softer mm-hmm. and through a mask, that's very hard to hear. And like, this is an hour about me. And when I have to constantly ask, what could you repeat that? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. That makes it difficult to the point of, I, I couldn't go back because it wasn't fulfilling my needs. Um, but it's, I, I think services have become more expensive, just like a lot of things, right? They're in higher demand. That's the, that's the way this goes. You can love it, hate it all that you want, but that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Now people are like, well, I don't want to pay for that. And you have people who don't, they don't want to pay for a zoom visit. Right. They want to see somebody in person and have that intimate personal connection to somebody sitting across from them. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see once, once things start to resolve, how that changes, mm-hmm. because I know a lot of providers just want to do telehealth. They want to keep those services closed off a little bit so that it protects them from this and other diseases, I think. But I don't know if the consumer loves that. I mean, I don't love it. Um, I do. I will say that I, I think it's great that what came out of this was I saw a lot more kind of towards the end of all of this. I saw a lot more ads on TV for like mental health, for calling into 
talk to therapists. There's so many apps now that allow you to talk to therapists on your phone. I mean, that's great because for people who don't have time or can't drive into a facility to talk to somebody, that's really great. But I, there are people that still want to be able to see them face to face. I think a, a lot of great things came out of this. We learned how to do so many different things that we didn't know were possible. Yep. And you're right. I think there are some people, it is incredibly intimidating to meet with a therapist, to mm-hmm. call a therapist. But when you have this, this hotline, when you have this ability to call in mm-hmm. and really not have like no strings attached, that can be the difference in somebody being able to convince themselves that, you know what, this isn't so bad right? There's, there's always a little bit of that fear of like, who's going to see me walk into my therapist's office? Who's going to find out that I was here? Right. You know, but I think we open doors. We just have to keep those doors open and make sure that people have the services offered to them. Yeah. So now we move to the next step, the solution, our favorite part. How do we change all of this? Yeah. I mean, the simplest of versions is prioritization of self-care. And we can say that and you can take that how you want, but we're going to give you uh, some tips on how to prioritize your self-care. Yeah. I think the first one we have listed is say no. And that is huge. I think one of the things that we learned in COVID is that everything can be at our fingertips almost. Yeah. And it's really easy to, I think, work-wise to keep the laptop open a little bit longer while you're working at home. It's a little bit easier to finish something up on your phone, to take another call. And I think once you do that, you just open up the door for long-term being taken advantage of. Yeah, um, yeah. You get burnt out so much quicker and it's, it's a constant work, which yeah. kind of leads into having time for you, time for yourself, time to relax. It's not about work. It's not about others. It is focused on you. Yeah. I know when we reopened, we really tried to offer a lot of things. One, we're a new business. Two, we are reopening our doors. Three, we're in a space that was victimized as being very high rates of transmission. So what we did, both of us, we sacrificed a lot of our own time in order to do more for our clients. And that's, that's great. It ultimately, we got so many compliments on all of the things and how accommodating we were during this time, which is great. It ultimately could be the reason why our doors are still open. Right. But it took a big toll. And at some point, right. And, and we're almost two years in, we're over two years into this now. Um, we are now like returned to a bit of normalcy and we've changed and adapted things kind of back to how we wanted them to be from the first place. But it's, it took saying, no, you know, I, we changed our class schedule. We reduced our class schedule to have fewer classes because we don't have these capacity limitations any longer. We no longer offer zoom workouts because they weren't being well attended. You know, we have to say no to things, which is uncomfortable, but that time allows me to finish work at work and then to have time at home for me, for whatever it is that I want to do. Yeah. And I will commend you. You did a really good job on prioritizing your time. And still, even though you worked your butt off and you did a lot for your clients, you made sure that you still got your time in the gym 
at a different gym. I know being a gym owner, it's really hard to, they say it's really hard to work out in your own gym because you're constantly at work, right? So you made that time to do things for you. You're really good at gratitude journaling. You're really good at having your morning routine. And that's something that um, has really worked for you. Yeah. Um, And it's nothing, nothing that I do is complex either. Yeah. It's not like, I'm not spending hours meditating in the morning. I, I mean, it's literally 15 minutes for everything. Yeah. It's broken up into chunks because, you know, I, I read for a little bit and then I drive to the gym. Then I like, I got to turn the lights on and everything. And then I have to, then I want to move my body. Right. And I set the gym up and then I want to do some journaling. So it's like, it's all broken down into chunks. You could do it all in one, but it's very, very simple stuff that sets the tone for your day. Yeah. I know a huge thing for me that I learned during the shutdown and all of this, um, my husband and I work together, you and Brian work together Yep. and then we live together and because everything was shut down, that kind of took away, I don't want to say my escape because I'm not escaping my life, but my outlet, I, you know, when the gyms were shut down, that was my me time. Right. So now I'm at home with my husband. I'm at work with my husband. It's a constant. There's no couple hours a day. We're together all the time. Yes. So there was sometimes when I was like, Hey, I'm going to need you to go to work for a couple hours while I meal prep for us. while I do this because I just want to not interact with anybody. I want to not see your face for a little while. I love you so much. I need you to go to work for a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, The last piece of this, when it comes to self-care is schedule your necessary appointments and appointments always gets a bad rap as a word as everyone always thinks it means doctor appointments, Mm -hmm. but that's scheduling time for you as well. Schedule time for your workouts, schedule time for sleep. Like sleep should be an appointment every single day. Schedule your yearly physical schedule appointments with your mental health practitioner, whatever you need, make it a priority because at the end of the day, if, if it's, Oh, I'm too busy with work. There won't be a you at work. If you don't take care of these things. Correct. If you, you know, if it's too busy with family, then again, you won't be there for your family if you don't schedule these appointments in. Yep. So find time, communicate with the people that you need to, bosses, coworkers, family members, friends, and say like, no, I just, this is the appointment that I need to keep. And this is something that I need to stick with. Yes. So the next topic is exercise. Yay. Um, we love this one, obviously. Um, so when it comes to exercise, exercise is, has been shown to be as effective as an antidepressant medication, which is really cool because you, everyone I think wants to naturally gravitate towards medication. We don't need to instantly run to medication. I think if we, with the research showing more and more that exercise is just as effective, Mm -hmm. well, then we get off of medication, we eliminate those side effects and we find ways to be healthier. Yeah, I am a big advocate for this one. When I was a teenager, I was put on antidepressants. Um, We had a lot of stuff going on in my house, a little there were some divorces um, and it took a hit on my mental health and I'm not against them. For me, they weren't 
they weren't a thing that worked for me. Um, it made me feel icky. I didn't really like it. I'm not really good at taking medication all the time, like on time. And if I missed it, then my whole mood would be thrown off. So ultimately I ended up coming off of them. Um, exercise consistently is the only thing that I have found that has given me that feeling without the side effects. Um, obviously I get a little down if I miss some workouts here and there, but it's nothing like if I would miss that medication. Yeah. I was on medication for anxiety and I didn't like the way it made me feel. I didn't like what it did to me. Um, the difference was I was already exercising quite a bit, Sure, but it was like using exercise as a stress reliever, Mm -hmm. you know, to relieve tension, to relieve stress. That was the difference maker. I eventually was like, I can't take this medication anymore. I really don't like it. Okay. Then we have to find an outlet for anxiety elsewhere. And I know I have this discussion with clients all the time, right? Like they see me getting ready to quote unquote workout mm-hmm. after this meet. And I'm like, I'm not working out. I just, I cannot do PT style stuff in my work clothes today. Like I'm just changing to move my body. I feel better mentally. I feel better physically. Yeah. I step away from work and get rid of some of the tension stress there Mm -hmm. and feel a lot better afterwards. So it doesn't have to be like beat down style exercise because sometimes that's that overdoes it. But I think, I don't know if we want to call it body movement instead of exercise, that may be a more accurate way to represent this. Yeah. Um, another thing that I can do is reduce ADHD. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, exercise can improve concentration, motivation, memory, mood. Uh, when you work out, you get a dopamine kick. Yep. Norepinephrine serotonin levels also take a boost. Those impact focus and attention. Everyone knows the dopamine kick, right? That makes you happy. That makes you feel good. That's why you feel so great after you work out. But we also have the the norepinephrine and the serotonin levels. Those are hormones, neurotransmitters you don't really pay attention to, but those are things that we get more of those. We have better focus. We have better attention. That also improves energy levels throughout your day as well. Those are things that can reduce symptoms of ADHD. Heck, I'm not here to tell you to get off your ADHD medication and start working out. (laughs) No, no. Do it as a doctor recommends, but- you know, ask them, you know, present this up as a solution. Hey, what if I, what if I exercised more? What if I got into a better exercise routine? Tell me more about how I can maybe reduce my medication and, or get off of it completely. Yeah. I think of it as even if you stay on your medication, exercise helps reduce that, right? It's another tool in your tool belt. Why wouldn't you want all the tools? for your life, help things. Right. Um, instead of just one. So I really love it. Um, it also exercise also, uh, helps become unstuck after PTSD and trauma. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest reasons CrossFit took off was because a lot of military vets came back and dove into that style of exercise. Yeah. They have hero workouts for that, for that reason. Yep. Um, and there are other styles of workouts, but that's really like a lot of vets. Came back. Yeah. It came back into CrossFit because it was 
it was a very hard style that they were used to from their days in service. Yeah. Um, there are so many other forms of exercise. I mean, you, you could find videos of, you know, a woman who was raped and beaten and she finally found exercise as her means of relief for that. But it really is a great outlet for PTSD and trauma. Yeah. And I, I think about like our type of gym and it kind of gives you that family aspect and that community. And I think having a community surround you and feel comfortable in a place is a huge part of coming back from that. For sure. Uh, other last few benefits we have of exercise, sharper memory and retention, which again, we talked about how we can reduce symptoms of ADHD. You talk about the dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin levels. When you have better focus and better retention, you're going to improve your memory. You're going to improve your retention. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you higher self-esteem. I think that's a given. Yeah. You feel better when you work out, you start to see your body change. You feel like you can conquer the world. Um, I know that from firsthand, you also get better sleep. Obviously you are tiring your body out. You are exerting the energy. You are going to go to bed, ready to go to bed. Yeah. And with that, of course you get better sleep. You have better energy. Yes. Exercise is going to make you feel more energized, but it's going to make you feel more tired at some point. You got to grab it. You get more energy. Yeah. Um, the last one, stronger resilience. I, I think of this one as like, you learn so many lessons in the gym while working out, you learn how to overcome obstacles. You don't go to the gym and automatically get to, for us, I'll use us as an example. We don't get to go to the gym and automatically get to lift the heaviest weight. We have to learn how to overcome obstacles. We have to learn how to tackle things in our way of working out. And because of that, stuff can get thrown at us and we can look at it and go, we just have to figure out a different way to get through this and conquer it. And that makes us more resilient. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about, um, cardiovascular health and actually Mm -hmm. how endurance runners, they have a increased pain tolerance, not in like, right. I pinch you and you're an elite runner and that doesn't hurt you. And you pinch me and it hurts me. No, that's not necessarily it, but in terms of the levels of fatigue that you feel, and the study was only done on endurance runners. They, you know, the podcast brought up, well, I wonder what would show in a study of, um, heavy lifters, heavy weight lifters, but their, their idea behind this was like the pain tolerance of fatigue. Like you build a better resiliency because it is literally one step after another. If, if you're out on a run, you know, pedaling, just keep your legs moving, right. which speaks right to the resilience of this. I know we've both experienced it. You know, when you're running, biking, swimming, <laughs> you, it's a long way. Like you're just looking at the road or the pool or whatever it is in front of you and think about how much further you have to go with that. And mm-hmm. you just have to keep going and keep going to that finish line. Absolutely. So overall, we didn't want to bring this too much into, into COVID, into mental health, a lot of those controversial topics, but this is a big one. Um, COVID really has changed the game for mental health. We speak primarily to females, one, because we are both females, two, because that's the majority of our audience. Absolutely. And I think it's fitting that we we kind of start to look at what 
happened during these last two years? How do we move forward from this? And what do we need to not only heal, but to grow from this and to improve both ourselves and our communities as a result? Um, I would like to end this on a happy note and say that I think one of the best things that came out of COVID is our friendship. Aww. Say no. I mean, I, I did get two dogs, so. That's true. I did. Well, mm, did you, you had, did you have Zoe before? Technically we got her when COVID had arrived in the United States. We had purchased her before. I was going to say I purchased taco before. Uh, We got him just a little earlier because the shutdown happened. And I was like, we should probably go get him right now. Yeah. So, I mean, you're great, but you know, it's fine. It's fine. She's so cute in her cone head down there. Oh, Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Beauty, Brains, and Barbells podcast. If you liked what you heard today, go ahead and give us a like, a share on Instagram. Let us know what more you want to hear from us so that we can truly make this the podcast that females go to to improve their resistance training experience.